Hello, and welcome to another episode of Stories from the World. This is David Robert Farmerie. This episode is part two of the final episode from the Wilson Residency. Since returning from Wilson last week, I have been spending a fair amount of time editing through all of the images that I made. I made a lot of rough edits while I was in Wilson and working, but there is no way to do finals until I got back and had a few days to kind of step away from it and then return. This residency was amazing on so many levels and in so many ways, but it is also something that brought about a change in me, a change in me creatively, but also deep, deep within my soul. In many ways, my work there took me back to the early days of my career as a photojournalist and a documentary photographer, and I don't know that I can even put into words how it did that or why it did that, but it did. And in talking about it here, just briefly, I am realizing something quite profound, actually. As odd as it may sound, it's as if the present me went back in time to the former me, and it mixed the greatest parts of both together. And even though I've never lost my love for what I do, I think that there is a a taintedness, possibly, that settles in over time. Although I don't know that taintedness is really the correct word. Perhaps it's more of a numbness, or I don't know. It's just something that settles in, and it's like a veil, and it settles over without one realizing it. Whatever it is, Wilson stripped it away completely. It's as if the fire that has always burned within me was now burning with a a greater clarity, for lack of a better description. I felt more alive, and I felt as if I had greater clarity, and not just in my thinking, but in my feeling and in my vision. But also, Wilson was filled with so many experiences, and I know I've talked about this in each of the episodes from Wilson, but it still astounds me. And also, I believe it's because they were back-to-back. It was like one would happen, and immediately after, another would happen, and another, and another, and another, constantly for the entire four weeks that I was there. And the experiences were all over the place. One evening, it was early in the week during my last week in Wilson, I had come out of the pub, and as I got to the sidewalk, I was about to turn left to go back to my apartment, and I noticed up the street to my right were Lizzie and Dale out in front of Dale's music store. Actually, it's not so much of a music store as it is a place where Dale gives lessons for the bass guitar. Actually, it was kind of ironic because only about four or five hours before this, I was hanging with Dale and making a few photographs of him and photographing him with his new bass guitar. And oh, what a beautiful guitar this is. He had it custom made and it is a fretless bass. And he was saying that this is the first time he had ever played a fretless bass and he was just kind of getting used to it and finding out all the nuances of it. Anyhow, as I said goodnight to both Lizzie and Dale, Dale spoke up and said, Hey, David, I got the band inside. We're just kind of jamming. You want to join us? (laughs) Do I want to join them? I hesitated before I answered for just a couple of seconds, you know, out of politeness. And of course I said, Yeah, sure, absolutely. Lizzie took that as an opportunity to say goodnight to both of us, and then she returned to the pub where she's a bartender. 
I followed Dale inside the shop, and he introduced me to each of the other three band members. We all talked for a little bit, and then they started to jam. I was positioned in the shop with the bongo player about three and a half, four feet in front of me, and the drummer and his complete drum set about two and a half feet to the right of me. It was loud, but it was absolutely fantastic. And Dale, who was sitting the furthest away from me, was jamming it out on his new fretless bass. And oh man, it was not only was it amazing to listen to all of this, but it was equally amazing to just watch him meld right into playing that amazing instrument. I hung out for, oh, I don't know, about 40 or 45 minutes, and then I had to get back. It was getting late, and I had a really early day of shooting the next day. But all the way back to my apartment, I was truly on cloud nine. And, you know, that's another thing I really loved about my time in Wilson is that for the most part, probably 90% of the time, I was able to walk everywhere. And when I left Dale's that night, it was dark. It was really hot and humid, but it was just wonderful to walk along the quiet streets, hardly any traffic for about 10 minutes till I got to my apartment. And that short time that I spent with Dale and his band while they were jamming reminded me of what it was that I loved back in the day when I was on the road touring with rock bands and photographing them. It was that genuine, authentic, just selfless and egoless jamming. It was playing and jamming simply for the sake of jamming, playing music and experiencing the magic that came from it. Two days later, I was fortunate to have Dale come into the studio for a portrait and, of course, with his new fretless bass guitar. Earlier today, I was actually editing through the images I made of him in the studio and, oh, the memories that it brought back. Over the course of our time together in those three days, give or take, Dale and I did a lot of talking and Dale and I had a lot in common and the bond that was formed was really a good one. It turns out Wilson has its own baseball team. They are called the Wilson Tobs, and they are part of the Coastal Plain Wood Bat League. I attended the game while I was there, and of course I photographed it. It was really fascinating because I guess this Coastal Plain League is made up of college players, or college-level players, and it's their opportunity to play baseball and be seen by scouts. Because of this, these players play to their limit. They give 500% every game because they have no idea when a scout will be watching. As a result, the crowd, the people in attendance, always get to see great baseball. Played the way it used to be played. From the heart. From the love of the game. There was also this great sense of community, and not just between the residents of Wilson, but between the residents of Wilson and the baseball players themselves. The ballpark was designed with a covered seating area that spanned from about first base over to third base. Beginning where the covered area on the first base side ends was an open area that extended from there all the way out to the outfield area. In this area were a smattering of umbrella-covered cafe-style tables, as well as just some open seating, and at the far end of this area was a small covered pavilion with picnic tables for seating. This area was occupied primarily by people who wanted to enjoy a beer or two while watching the game. 
but also in this area lined up along the chest high cyclone fence that separated this area from the field itself were kids in their little league uniforms all lined up watching the game and trying to be as close to the field and the players as they possibly could. And it was in this area that I experienced the real essence of what this level of baseball was all about. One of the kids in this line of uniform-clad little leaguers was RJ. And about two, I guess it was two days before, RJ had celebrated his 12th birthday. And as one of the players from the Wilson Tobbs was making his way to his position in the outfield, he had passed by RJ and just looked over and said, Happy birthday, RJ. This, to me, was one of the quintessential examples of community and of solid down-home baseball. After leaving the game that evening, I was driving back to my apartment and I saw a food truck off the side of the road by this one gas station and I was intrigued by the sign. It was called Halal Foods. For those of you not familiar with this term halal, it is the Muslim version of kosher and Wilson has a significant Muslim community. Of course, I had to slam on the brakes, turn around, go back, and yes, make a photograph of this. And while I was making the photograph, I happened to notice the menu. And on the menu was, among other things, a steak and cheese sandwich. And anytime there is a steak and cheese sandwich, I gotta try it. The sandwich, which I ended up taking back to the apartment to eat, thank goodness, was massive, and it was, I think, the messiest sandwich I have ever had, but it was a steak and cheese. What should I expect? And the flavor was really good. And the photograph that I was able to make of his food truck at night was absolutely fantastic. But also, during this time of making the photograph of the food truck and ordering my food, I had the opportunity to talk with the gentleman who owns the food truck and to learn a bit more about the Muslim community. On my last night in Wilson, I spent some time with two friends, Clint and Sebastian, and together they own a company called Rockstars and Flowers. Once again, I find myself at a loss for adjectives or any descriptive words to describe either of them, but especially Sebastian. One thing I can say is that they are the absolute perfect team. They offset each other's personalities quite well, but yet they have so much in common and so many similarities in their personality as well, which always makes it quite the experience to spend time with them. Clint's background is pretty much as a graphic designer, and his company before this made large banners and large format posters and whatnot for businesses. Sebastian's background <laughs> is really quite different. His background is as a bass player for heavy metal bands and punk rock bands. But now, together, they are known for the artwork that they create, which is essentially portraits of famous rock stars. Now, I'm not going to go into detail with regards to how that evening progressed. I will say, however, that I did at the onset lay down some ground rules for myself with them. That greatly helped things stay under control. I was also able to make an informal portrait of the two of them, which I absolutely love. Now, Sebastian is also affiliated with another business in Wilson called Artisan Leaf, and I found this business to be absolutely brilliant. 
essentially what they do is they take tobacco leaves, whole tobacco leaves, and they mold them and shape them and put them onto tabletops and make bar tops and even wall hangings out of them. And each one is truly a work of art. The creative energy that flows through the town of Wilson is absolutely astounding to me. For a creative person, it's like plugging into a creative outlet and getting recharged every single day. And it's not just in the visual arts, it's in all of the creative genres, music and spoken word and written word, and the work that is being created is truly out of the box. But Wilson is not without its problems, just like every other town in every other city. It has its share of crime and it has its share of gang shootings. But fortunately, that seems to stay away from the downtown area. The town of Wilson also has an amazing police force that I believe should be made an example of in a very positive way. During the day, you have one to two officers that walk the streets and they make themselves a part of the community. There were often times where a police officer would drive by and wave, and when I'd see them on the street, they'd always stop and talk, just like they did with everybody. I had an experience one morning, early in the morning, while I was just walking the streets looking for something to photograph. To be honest, I can't remember if I talked about this story in a previous episode or not, so if I did, please bear with me. This is also a story, unfortunately, where I need to break down the races by black and white so that there is a full understanding of the importance of this story. I was walking along Goldsboro Street and approaching Nash, which is the crossover street to Goldsboro. As I approached the corner, something caught my eye and I noticed a black woman in scrubs walking towards the street from the courthouse. And just then, a car pulled up along the sidewalk and parked, and another black woman, this time getting out of the car, started yelling and screaming and using all kinds of profanity, and that truly caught my attention. When I looked over again, I saw that she was making her way towards the woman in the scrubs. At this same moment, I noticed at the top of the courthouse steps that the double doors flew open and a white police officer made his way through the doors in full run, ran down the steps, ran across the plaza of the courthouse towards the woman who was yelling and approaching the woman in the scrubs. I got the feeling that they were somehow anticipating the arrival of this, shall we say, angry woman. Then, as this angry woman got to be within about 12 inches of the woman in scrubs, she stopped, confronted her, still yelling profanities, then clenched her fist and cocked back her arm in an attempt to punch this woman. At this very same moment, the white officer, who had been in full run, reached this woman with her arm cocked back, literally just as she cocked it back, he seamlessly came up from behind her, wrapped his arms around her, and put her in a bear hug, but not a tight bear hug, just enough to secure her arms. And as this was transpiring, two other white officers were making their way towards the scene. As these two officers arrived at the scene itself, they saw that the officer who had the woman in the bear hug had everything under control and that there was no need for any additional intervention. The officer with the woman still in a bear hug escorted her sideways across the plaza 
and up the steps into the courthouse. But at no time did he ever get violent. At no time did he ever get abusive verbally or physically. And at no time did he ever drag her. He just kept walking and letting her walk, albeit sideways, and make their way up the steps and into the courthouse. At the same time, the other two officers were talking with the woman in the scrubs, making sure that she was okay, and when they knew that she was, they walked with her back up into the courthouse. This just goes to show that it can be done. In many ways, in looking back over my time in Wilson and the photographs that I made and the things that I have said, I realized that, to a large extent, I have portrayed Wilson as an idyllic place, and in some ways it really is, but I don't want to paint that picture exclusively. Because, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, Wilson still has its problems that need to be addressed and need to be taken care of. And again, just like any other city. But part of what impressed me about Wilson is that they are making strides, great strides, to make these changes happen. The things that I photographed and the things that I wrote about and the things that I talked about were not things that I sought out intentionally. I literally photographed anything and everything that presented itself to me. In fact, there is one image that I made that just reeks of racism. I debated and even lamented with myself for a while now. I even talked with my friend Keith about this because I wasn't sure if I should present this image with the others simply because I didn't know if it was true racism or if somebody was just playing around. In the end, I did. In fact, it's on my website right now. You can see it with all of the other images because I truly believe, especially after talking with people in Wilson, that yes, racism still exists there. It is truth and fact that it is still part of the society in Wilson, albeit not nearly as much as it had been in past years. And even though my time with the residency is over, I cannot leave the stories of Wilson untold. I will be back in Wilson for the photo festival at the end of October, but I will also be going back from time to time, I'm sure at least over the next year or possibly longer. As I bring this series of episodes to a close, I want to remind you that the images from Wilson, North Carolina can be seen on my website at davidfarmery.com and I will leave a link in the episode notes. As always, I want to thank you most sincerely from the bottom of my heart for allowing me to share with you not just stories of the world, but stories from Wilson, North Carolina. If you'd like to keep abreast of upcoming workshops, lectures, or new releases of my fine art prints, sign up for my mailing list at davidfarmerie.com. You have my sincere word that you will not be spammed, nor will I give or share your information with anyone. You have been listening to Stories from the World. Copyright 2021, David Robert Farmerie. All rights reserved.